It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you grow your e-commerce business faster and more efficiently by cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and guidance from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello, Master Plan World. Welcome to our latest podcast. As always, it is great to have you here listening to us. Um, I'm Chloe Thomas, creator of the e-commerce Master Plan. I'm an author, speaker and consultant and I focus on e-commerce business strategy and marketing. This week, I'm bringing you something a little bit different for our podcast. Instead of an interview with an e-commerce business person, I'm bringing you a hot off the press update from the Internet Retailing Conference 2015, which I attended even in London last Wednesday. For those of you not familiar with Internet Retailing and their conference, let me explain a bit about it. It's a one-day conference that this year celebrated its 10th anniversary. It's the number one place in the UK to find out what the big players are up to in in e-commerce, and it sees almost 1,000 people attend, most of whom are also working for top 500 retailers. Speakers included Twitter, Facebook, Google and eBay, of course, and many big impressive UK e-commerce businesses too. In the online-only area, we have Boohoo.com, which is even faster fashion than ASOS, Shop Direct, that's the Little Woods and Very Brands, Pets Pyjamas, a very cool business I hadn't previously come across, Farfetch.com, GHD, the hair straightener people. In the multi-channel and high street area, we had Marks & Spencers, New Look, Jigsaw, Fortnum & Mason, John Lewis, House of Fraser, a huge number of very, very um, successful and inspiring e-commerce businesses to listen to. Some of you may be thinking, great, that's loads of massive enterprise level businesses, Chloe. I thought your focus was on our smaller players. And you're right, for the majority of the people listening to this podcast and who read the e-commerce master plan books and my blogs and come along to the events I speak at, this is not a conference you should be planning on attending. Not because the content isn't awesome, but because for your time out of the office, there are other events more suited to your needs. For example, you don't need to be there for a discussion on what skill sets are needed by the board of directors of a top 100 e-commerce business. Plus, it's a fairly expensive conference to attend as it's £295 a ticket for retailers. Uh, That's about $600 for those of you in the States and uh, £695 for the rest of us. So it's a lot cheaper if you are a retailer, but for the rest of us, it's, it's, you know, over a thousand, well over a thousand dollars to attend. That's where me and this podcast comes in. I kind of go to this so you don't have to. I've looked through all my notes, conversations, stand information and the rest and summarise it down into what the smaller retail can take from the conference. This is no simple conference review. This is my distillation of the key themes and takeaways to bring you, the smaller e-commerce business person, the ideas that will help you with your business over the coming year. I'm going to start with a dive into the learnings from Shop Direct, who are possibly my new favourite big e-commerce company. Um, Then the key themes I'm going to dive into are the trifecta. You're just going to have to listen to find out what the trifecta is. Um, And into the brand and content piece. And then the third key theme I'm going to be going into is customer and testing. Finally, I'm going to distill all that into some straightforward key takeaways for you. My overall feelings after the conference were that it's great to see the big boys dealing with exactly the same issues as the rest of us. 
Personally, for me, that's useful because it, it's nice reassurance that I'm giving out the right guidance to all of you. But more importantly, it feels like reassurance that the whole industry is headed in the right direction. As an industry, we're growing up and that's going to make life a lot easier for all of us. It's going to make it a lot easier to identify what the right decisions and the right choices are. What surprised me about the conference was that there was very little talk of bright, shiny objects. Those distracting, it will solve all my problems pieces of tech. They didn't seem to exist either in the sessions or in the exhibitors hall. So the majority of the content I'll be sharing with you in the rest of this podcast is all about how you go about doing things and the headline product projects you should focus on. As ever, if you have any questions about this or would like to discuss any of the points in more detail, just get in contact with me via ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash contact. Okay, so that's enough of my preamble. Let's dive into what I can bring to you. First up, let's talk about Shop Direct. Uh, there were several speakers from Shop Direct there. The one I paid the most attention to, I thought brought the most to the table for us lot, was Dan Rubel, their group strategy and comms director. For those of you who are not in the UK, Shop Direct are, in fact, actually several of you in the UK who won't know who Shop Direct are, um, they run two big, big e-commerce sites selling fashion, homewares, um, and various other goods that are very focused on brands. They stock a lot of fashion brands and they offer their consumers a line of credit. They're focused on on women and they offer that line of credit. So you pay over a number of weeks for your goods. The flagship brand is very.co.uk, V-E-R-Y. And the uh, other brand, which is the one that's been around for, I think, 80 odd years now, is littlewoods.co.uk. They turn over in excess of £800 million a year. That's, uh, what, $1.6 million, something along those lines. It used to be a big department stores all over the country and huge catalogues with a massive distribution list. They've been on a journey over the last 15 years or so of changing to become, or actually their ambition is, to transform a catalogue business into a world-class retailer. And in 2002, they closed the last of their stores. And in last year, 2014, was the final time they sent out a catalogue. Before I dive into what I really loved about them, uh, which is their approach to all of this, there's a couple of useful stats here for you. Um, they get 1 million visits per day across, across all their sites, 50% plus of which is mobile traffic which is starting to convert at a very similar rate to the desktop traffic. And they've done a lot of analysis on multi-device customers. So those who use both desktop and mobile or desktop, mobile and tablet. And they found that the more devices someone uses, both in a specific route to purchase and during their lifetime with them, the more valuable they become. In fact, if someone uses more than one device, they use two devices then they get a 10 times better, oh, sorry, a 10 times uplift in conversion. So uh, it's definitely time to start thinking cross-device and not thinking mobile, which is actually something which came out of a lot of the sessions. What I love about them is the focused approach they've taken to what they do. So there are various elements to that focused approach. First off, they are UK only. And they are online only. They're not interested in going international and they're not interested in, in bricks 
or catalogues. They want to be purely online because it enables them to focus. Everyone in the business is focused on one thing and that's making those websites better for the customer. UK only, they are purely interested in what the UK consumer wants. So they don't have to worry about different weather profiles in different countries, different fashion trends in different countries. They are purely UK focused. And they talked about that a lot and about how saying no to things was the key to transformation. And in order to change the business, they had to to stop doing certain things and to start saying no to them. So closing the stores in 2002, sending the last catalogue in 2014. Secondly, they are really clear on who their customer is and they listen to her. Um, I could read out the stats of who the customer is, but I'm not sure that's really going to help any of you. So we're, we're, I'm just going to skip that bit. But they, they listen to that customer all the time and they are always thinking about the avatar. A couple of examples of how they do this. Uh, they've just launched a site called Very Exclusive, which is higher end fashion brands still in the same arena as the rest as, as the rest of the stuff. And one of the key driving forces between launching that basically whole new business was the data of the search results. So the search, sorry, the search queries that customers were putting into their website. Absolutely fascinating. So they're looking at who, what people are putting in their search results and they're using that to see people are searching for brands that are higher end than they'd normally be stocking. And therefore, they've built a brand to cover those. They built their own website, new brand for them, very exclusive in order to ship to provide those brands to the customers. They've also done it in the world of delivery options. So rather than getting excited about the crazy race to the finish line for who can take orders the latest and still deliver them next day, they've polled their customer. Their customer's not that interested in that, so they're not spending any time or effort trying to create that or money trying to trying to move their last order time slots backwards. Their customer also isn't bothered about same-day delivery, so they're not worrying about same-day delivery either. However, they know the customer is really interested in next day and in click and collect. So that's what they've put a lot of time and effort into building that facility for the customer. They uh, then, then next up in their focus, they have a very evidence-led fast fail fast even approach to everything they do in the business so evidence-led means that they're looking at the stats and the results rather than basing it on someone's hunch in fact they specifically said the hippos which is a term I hadn't come across before but the hippos are the highest paid opinions in the business i.e if the director comes in and says my mum doesn't like the site because it's red we need to change it to blue that no longer carries any weight for them so it's evidence-led it's not opinions based and fail fast means they test it and if it fails, great, we move on to the next thing. We work out why that failed and we try something else. Uh, they were quoting that some of the, you know, most of the big tech companies in the world like Google, Amazon, etc. They have fail rates on their tests of something like 90 odd percent of the, all the tests they run fail. So fail fast is a very powerful approach across the, the, the world and they're using it in retail. Um in order to facilitate all of that, they actually have their own in-house user experience lab and they get customers in every other week to try out ideas on the website and they watch them and track it and I, you know, eyeball tracking and all the rest, which of course is something pretty much none of us can afford to do. But I thought it was great to see how much these bigger retailers are really investing in the customer's point of view, which is something, you know, even those of us with smaller budgets can do to some extent. And they're running over 100 tests a month on the site to see where what's what's working and what isn't working. 
So that's, you know, it's that, that kind of focused approach, which was also something which came through in the majority. In fact, I didn't hear anyone talk about anything other than a really focused approach. And I'm going to cover some of that a bit later on. But certainly um, Boohoo and House of Fraser were talking a lot about that as well. A couple of cool things, other things from the Shop Direct piece before we uh, we go on to the next section is uh, one, they are solving the cross-device issue. Now we said about how they get a much better conversion rate from customers who are multi-device because they're that bit more bought into the brand than they do from customers who are single device. So making it easy for a customer to go cross-device is really important. They're solving that basically with what they call their love list, L-O-V-E, love list. And that is a save for later function. So you can save the product for later and then you can log in and pick those up from whichever device you want to be on. The other, the second other cool little thing is the one of the areas they've found the most the most uh, growth in the world of personalizing your website is, you know, so the website changes based on who's on it is on uh, the navigation. So they change that headline navigation based on previous purchase history and browsing behavior, which I thought was really interesting. Not come across anyone talking about that before. You know, lots of talks about homepage changes in this, but actually changing the navigation to put the things you usually buy and look at top, I thought was quite interesting. So let's move on to the trifecta. This is an idea that was put forward by Patrick Busquet Chavan, and I hope, Patrick, if you're listening, I've pronounced your name correctly. He is the executive director for marketing and international at Marks and Spencers. Now, I think there's Marks and Spencers all over the world, but what it is is it's a British high street retailer um, with hundreds of thousands of employees globally who focus on. Uh, homewares, fashion and food and they um, have they sell their own brand so everything is designed in-house and built in-house and they sell via shops some element of catalogues and also online and during his keynote session he was asked the question um, what does he think the most exciting part of the coming decade is going to be so what's the most exciting thing coming up in the next 10 years of e-commerce and he said it's the trifecta effect which is these three areas. One, consumers are now in the driving seat. They control everything we do. Secondly, brand is at the heart of differentiation. So you, so in order to, to stand out, you've got to be have a decent brand, a strong brand that customers are resonating to. And three, making the most of the technolog- technological opportunities that are out there. So that's the trifecta effect. Consumers, brand and differentiation and technological opportunities. And he said that those who can merge those three well will be very successful in the coming decade. In fact, he also said that brand and customer experience is the glue between the digital and physical world. So I'll repeat that one. That's brand and customer experience is the glue between the digital and physical world. I'm going to now go in to covering off what I learned at the conference about the brand piece. And then I'm going to cover off the consumer and technological piece because I think those are very closely merged together for you. Okay, so brand and content. I'm going to start with Peter Williams, who's the chair of Boohoo.com, which is very fast, cheap fashion brand that runs online. If you're familiar with ASOS, they have an even younger customer demographic than ASOS. Um, really, really big business in the UK, doing a lot of very cool things. He um, is also 
involved in a number of other e-commerce businesses and he's been in retail for many, many years and been on the in the board uh, board of directors level doing turnarounds of a number of businesses. And he said that always, every single time in one of these retail turnarounds, it was all about getting the proposition right. And that you can tell that the proposition isn't right if it doesn't make sense within seconds of coming through the door of the shop. If you walk into a shop and it doesn't make sense as a consumer, you leave. If you can't immediately grasp what that business is, what they stand for, what the brand is, who they're appealing to, are you the right customer for them? And he said it's a lot easier to achieve this, this realisation of the proposition online than it is in the physical store, which is good news for all of us. Patrick built on this concept um, by pointing out that he, you know, he was talking in his trifectory talks about the importance of brand and differentiation. And the reason I'm including content in this is because he said that you cannot differentiate without a strong content mix. So he said that your brand is is critical to make you stand out. He's also said that the only way of building a strong brand and therefore differentiating is with a strong content mix and that you have to have a conversation with your customer. So therefore publishing content on your social media channels, YouTube, your blogs, your product content is absolutely critical. Now, of course, he's talking about this from the perspective of M&S, who, who serve 33 million of the UK population, have over 800,000 staff worldwide and who are a multi-channel business. But he reckons they have 40 customer touch points across everything they do. They produce magazines, blogs, videos, articles, shows, all this kind of stuff. So bear in mind that, you know, he's coming at it from a very high end point of view, but we still need to find some way of differentiating and that content is the key to do that. In fact, he feels we're looking at what he called product saturation at the moment. So there's consumers can get whatever product they want and there's a lot of choice out there. In order for them to pick us and pick our product, we must differentiate ourselves. And that content and curation of content is essential to this. How we realise that brand online is all down to the content and the visuals and the messaging and the conversations we're having with those customers. This was um, entirely backed up by Twitter as well, who talked about the three trends they were predicting for 2016, which were communication, consumption and content, which, having sat through the whole piece, basically boiled down to talk to your customers regular and often in small chunks basically, um, and make sure that when you're talking to the customers, it's in a conversational style. So, for example, they explained, um, though he used an example of an Amazon ad from last year, I think it was an Amazon Facebook ad from last year, where the, the text was, who's grabbed a bargain this Boxing Day? So it's not come and get a bargain from us this Christmas, this this Boxing Day. It's who's grabbed a bargain this Christmas, this box. Well, I'm obsessed with Christmas Day. Sorry, guys. Um, who grabbed a bargain this Boxing Day and getting people to to therefore start interacting with that to start the conversation, which, of course, then leads to the sales. No one went massively into how to create the content or what to do with that content, but certainly um the right content, which I think, which actually I think it's quite good they didn't go into that because for most businesses, you've got to create the right content for your customer demographic and your, your audience. So even if they had, I probably would have kept some of that back from you because it's the really important message to take away from that is that if we want, we have to have a strong brand in order to differentiate. We need to work out what that means for our business and then we need to build the content and the social media around that to get that message out and the conversation out to our customers. That's the first part of our trifecta. 
And now we're going to talk about the second part of the trifecta, which where well, I'm blending two of the parts of the trifecta. So to remind you, the trifecta effect is that those who will um, succeed in the next 10 years are those who merge these three things well, which is one, the customers are in the driving seat, two, brand is at the heart of differentiation, and three, the technological opportunities. So we've covered number two, that really strong link between brand and content, and second, now we're going to cover the one and three all in one big mix, which is to make the customer happy, you need to both get your internal culture aligned to the customer, and to use the right technology to improve things for the customer. Alex Henry of Monetate uh, gave a fantastic presentation about how to approach personalization, of which more in a few minutes. Um, And he quoted a Gartner research statistic that is that by 2016, 86% of companies will compete primarily on customer experience. Get that? So by 2016, 86% of companies will compete primarily on customer experience. And for us in the online space, customer experience is heavily impacted by the technology we choose to use. This kind of comes back to that that piece I talked about with Shop Direct about failing fast. And as Patrick succinctly put it, his tips for success, when asked what his tips for success were, he said, learn fast and fail fast. So you've got to have a culture of innovation within your business in order to respond to what the customer wants, but also in order to embrace the right technology. For me, the main theme from the whole conference about technology was about personalization and testing. Uh, Dan of Shop Direct said that customers are drowning. They want a tailored solution. They want you to personalize what you're bringing to them. Um, And by personalization, what I'm meaning, I should really explain that, shouldn't I, is about getting the right message in front of the right person at the right time. Alex Henry, again, of Monetate, uh, gave us another couple of stats. He said that uh, according to an e-consultancy report, 83% of consumers expect relevancy. So they expect what they're getting on your website to be relevant to their past experiences with you. If they're a man coming to your site and you are always showing them pictures of women's fashion they don't expect that they expect us to be to know their male and to be showing them the men's men's content so that's 83 percent of consumers expect relevancy 96 percent of business leaders think relevancy is important but only six percent of business leaders have a strategy for it so there's a huge opportunity here we all think it's important the consumers do we do but no one's really approaching it so I thought the uh, the best thing for me to run through on this front would be what um, Alex Henry again and Monetate went through, which was his five step path to personalization, which um, if, if I was in your shoes right now, I'd be going, oh, my God, what have I got to put in place? This is crazy. Well, if we follow Alex's plan, then it's very much along the lines of what I'm always saying to you, which is start simple and then slowly build up simple changes, simple changes. So he had a five step path to personalization. Step one is to test. Simple A-B testing. You are treating all your customers the same. So no behavioural or transactional data is being used to influence this. This is stuff like, he gave the example of Jansport, who split tested 
a homepage focused on product versus a homepage focused on brand. Unfortunately, Alex didn't share with us which one of them won, but whichever one it was won, um, increased conversion rate by 1,290%. That was 1,290% increase in conversion rate by dis discovering whether your consumers were more interested in a product-based product based homepage or a brand-based homepage. So start off with these really big areas, you know, button colour, uh, navigation layout, format of homepage, you know, where your mo most of your people are. Try these different things and see, see what, what works. If you can't run A-B split testing and A-B split testing is running two homepages at the same time and, you know, 50% of people see one, 50% of people see the other and then you track the results. If you can't run that at the moment, then run one homepage for a week and the other homepage for a week and see what happens. It's not perfectly accurate, but if it's going to be a 1,290% increase, you're going to be able to spot that kind of thing. And of course, there's a bit of a law of diminishing returns. So there'll be a fairly obvious list of things to test. Once you've kind of, you're not getting such great impact from these very simple tests, then and only then is it time to start worrying about moving on to the next stage. So step two of the five steps path to personalization is to move on to basic targeting. This is where you restrict um, yourself to what happens in that particular session. So you look at your customers and if they've come in from pay-per-click, you treat them this way. If they've come in from an email, you treat them slightly differently. So how they got to your website can be an, can be an in-session piece of targeting. It could be device. If they're, if they're coming through on a mobile, you show them this information. If you're coming through on a desktop, you show them this information. Or it might be geographically based. You know, if they're coming in from, um, from one country, you show them euros. If they're coming in from another country, you show them dollars or pounds. That simple session-based um, targeting can be hugely impactful. So weather occasionally comes into this as well. So Heli Hansen, um, they used across Europe the weather in the the weather forecast in the area where the person was searching on that was arriving on the website from to show the right types of products if it's due to be raining in France they'll show you uh, waterproof coats if it's due to be sunny in Britain they'll show you um, you know t-shirts in the first three months of putting this in place it increased revenue by $280,000 pretty good um, but fairly simple we're only on step two of this path to personalization remember but Complete step one first, then move on to step two. I'm going to take you through steps three, four and five, but I doubt many of you are yet at the point where you want to go on to them. So I'm going to go run through them fairly quickly. So visitor segmentation is number three. This is where you're using the other data you have. So they're not just the session data. So past browsing behavior, um, past purchase behavior, the RFM model, you know, recency, frequency, monetary value. Are they a VIP customer and treating them differently in that way when they get through to the website? Then you get up to the, the kind of the... the um, pot of gold at the end of the rainbow stuff. Um, I don't know of anyone who's actually managing to do number four yet, um, which is to synchronise. So you synchronise the personalisation experience across all channels. To be honest, that starts my head imploding. And then step five is one-to-one -one personalization, which Alex very cleverly, very sensibly made the point that this is there's currently only two businesses in the world that are anywhere close to doing this. That's Google and Amazon, and neither of them are quite getting it right yet. So 
I thought that was a really nice five-step process to understanding how to start with personalization without it being overwhelming on day one. So for all of you out there, start off with some simple tests, simple A-B testing on your website. Uh, another approach to the personalization, look, looking after the customer, which um, I think really does summarize it quite nicely before we move on to our takeaways, is that... Um, I was in a session where Sarah Bailey, the head of multi-channel business development at House of Fraser, was running through kind of how they approach this whole area of testing and improvement. And, oh, and House of Fraser, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, is a department store in the UK, probably fairly closely aligned to Saks Fifth Avenue in the US, if that's easier for people to understand. Um, they have a really big footprint and they're probably one of the well prior to hearing about shop direct i would have put them at my most one of the most interesting i want to put it this way they're one of my top two most interesting e-commerce retailers uh, that i like to keep an eye on now <laughs> as of wednesday um they take an agile approach so uh, again it's kind of the fail fast learn fast test 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 approach that we've been talking about throughout this podcast um and they do multivariate testing so they're a step above the simple ab testing so ab is you test one thing against another multivariate is you test a whole heap of things in one go and it all gets very complicated but more importantly than that and the bit i wanted to tell you about is their aim with all their testing they have a very simple aim which is they believe that if they can improve customer satisfaction this will lead to improved conversion rates which will lead them to grow profit so they're interested in improving customer satisfaction first and foremost oh sorry for the slight pause there quick change of plans i had something in the in the takeaways that actually i think fits better here so i'm going to jump this up so another two tips to help you get your head around this whole consumer experience and testing piece so Jigsaw's Kate Holt is a UK high street and online fashion retailer. She likes to think about this whole customer experience and testing piece about think of it as removing friction. And this is this really fits at that first step level. So what she does is she looks at the customer reviews, she speaks to the customer service team, looks at what the customers are telling them are pain points, the points of friction that are stopping them from doing business with with Jigsaw, and then fixes those and tests, you know, fixes it, sees if that improves things, and then moves on. So that that's quite a good way of approaching that first step of person of the personalization journey, the straightforward testing piece, improve what you've already got. Um, and the second one. Fortnum and Masons, which is a beautiful, uh, it's a bit like the Har. They probably they probably shoot me for saying this, but I would say it's a bit like the Harrods of food, uh, which hopefully will resonate with the with the uh, the wider international audience. And Fortnum and Mason, it's a lovely, beautiful um, London department store. And if you're in London, you really should go and check it out. But they focus on food, and their Zia Zareem Slade, who is uh, the head of customer experience. All she's telling her team is to do the basics brilliantly. They're not not yet getting into the whole world of personalization or all the rest. Neither is Jigsaw. They are just making sure that they do the basics brilliantly. These are massive multi-million pound companies who are not too worried at the moment about getting the personalization nailed. They are more important. It's more important to them to give the customers the best experience. And that means doing the basics brilliantly. So don't feel like you need to try and get to step two or step three in the next 12 months. You don't. Focus on the simple test and improving that customer journey through your site. Okay, uh, lecture over. Um, let's go on to the takeaways. So 
I've gone through a lot of few bits. There are some bits and pieces I've already advised you do as we go through, but these are kind of my my top takeaways for you. Number one is focus. As um, was said during the course of the day uh, last week, choosing what not to do is more important than what to do in retail. You've got to be able to say no to things. And I'm, you know, many of you will know that I am a massive fan of focus and prioritization. I may not always succeed, um, but you, you know, you really do need to make sure what your plan is. You've got to get your whole team together and agree what that plan is. What are, what are your key focuses? What are the key things you need to achieve in the next three months, the next year? Um, Bear in mind, you know, Shop Direct, it took them four months and 450 people to set the strategy. Um, You're probably going to be able to turn it around a little bit quicker than that, but make sure you're involving everybody. It doesn't need to be complex either. You can keep it quite simple. So it may be as simple as putting some A4 sheets on the wall of this is this month's focus. Here are the three things we care about improving this, this month. If you're working on anything else, leave it till next month or come and tell us you're working on it and we'll either let you know if that should be included or if we should be leaving that till later. You may also find it easier to do this as a quarterly projects list on Evernote or on Google Docs, for example. So these are the things we care about this quarter. And together with a list of things we're going to consider consider focusing on in future quarters. So it's really clear to all of the team what you're saying no to as well as what you're saying yes to. In the overall business, you know, the overall strategy, in order to enable that focus, you need to identify your e-commerce business structure. There's lots of free materials on ecommercemasterplan.com about that, or you can read e-commerce masterplan 1.8, the book, which takes you through that in the very first chapter. You also need to identify your product range scale. Again, information about that on the website or in the book and your USP. What is what is it that makes you stand out and then turn that into all that great content we were talking about? So you need to focus your strategy and then you need to focus what you're working on. As Sarah from House of Fraser said, prioritisation is always the hardest part. The big boys struggle with this too. But if you can manage to get that prioritisation right, what you're saying no to, what you're saying yes to, your business will move forwards much, much faster. So that's my first takeaway for you. Get your head around focus in both your strategy and your day to day. My second one is around team culture, values, approach, etc., which is kind of the, the underlying theme of everything we've been talking about. Is If you want to get the testing in place, the fail fast mentality, um, the right customer experience, you've got to make sure all your team, however big your team is, even if it's you, you've got to make sure you are in the right mindset. So you've got to make sure that your culture and your values and the approach you're taking are clear to everyone. Make sure um, the team is aligned to these to the customer experience. They, they're interested in how we can improve it for the customer experience. And then you'll be able to move much faster. Get that fail fast mentality. Make sure you're testing things and be agile about it. You know, do do little and often. Don't try and reinvent the wheel every five minutes. Third up, personalization and testing itself. No hippos, please. No um, highly important people's opinions. We want to do things that the customers want and that the data is telling us will work. Don't start tests where you can't track the results. If there's not a KPI in mind and a way to track it, so KPI is a key performance indicator. Is your key performance indicator average order value or conversion rate or number of orders or value of orders? Make sure you've got one of those in mind for every test you run and you know you can track it. Otherwise, it's a waste of your time. 
because there's more than enough things to be testing which where you can track it. Start simple where the biggest impact is. So A, B, testing on the homepage or whichever page on your site most people come through. Um, and don't do it all at once. With whole teams of people and an £800 million turnover, shop direct do about 100 tests a month. So it is absolutely fine if you only test one thing each month. Start with the one you think is going to be best, test it, learn from it, move on. But you only need to do one a month because that will give you 12 across the year, which is probably more than any of your competitors will manage. Fourth up, we've got um, a little thing I haven't already talked about, which was everybody who spoke about customer happiness and all the rest of it, they all appear to be using something called NPS, Net Promoter Score, in order to track customer satisfaction levels. Net Promoter Score is basically you ask the customer one question, which is, would you recommend us scored from one to ten? I'll um, add a link to a page that explains this for you in more detail. But I think that's such an easy thing to put in place in order to track how customers get happier with you over time. I strongly advise you to take a look at that and put that in place. But I would say, given it we're currently in October, that's a 2016 to do. For now, just worry about Christmas. Finally, I have a quote which I think sums it all up. Um, from Patrick, again, the wonderful Patrick from uh, Marks and Spencers, who said, customers aren't king anymore. They are omnipresent gods. That's one to type up and put big on the wall of the office because you've got to get that customer experience right. You've got to keep your customers happy or you're just not going to be succeeding now in e-commerce. Right, so this has gone on a little bit longer than our normal podcast. And for that, actually, I'm not making any apologies today. Um, Masterplan World, I've put all the relevant links and a top line summary on the show notes page for you, which you can find at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash IRC for Internet Retailing Conference 15. Or just go to the website, click on the podcast tab or use the search box. This week, I'm off to another two e-commerce conferences. Life is quite busy right now. Um, I'm going to TCOM in Romania um, and the Direct Commerce Associations Conference in London. So next time, I'm going to bring you my distillation of the key points on those and also some key points and some key learnings from the e-delivery conference that I also went to last week. I just didn't have time to fit in today. Um, I hope you enjoy these alternatives to the usual interviews. And I'd love to know what you think. If you do enjoy them, what bits you like, which bits you don't. Um, I love to hear both the good and bad of your feedback. Um, and you can always, uh, you rather, you can find all the different ways to contact me at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash contact. Another little thing to let you know about, as if there weren't more, more than enough on this podcast, is that um, I've just published my brand new ebook, How to Get More New Customers to Your Website. And who doesn't want some of that? Um, and it's available exclusively and for free. Yes, all 11 pages of great advice for growing your e-commerce business are available for free. Um, to get your copy, just head over to the website and um, you'll see the sign up forms. Have a fantastic week, everyone, and keep optimizing. Bye. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com.